Welcome to the show that helps business owners and business people. If it's about marketing, sales, or anything business related, we'll discuss it. This is Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Now, here's Chase. What's going on, everyone? You're listening to 105.3, the talk of Jackson. You heard the man. My name's Chase Channel, and this is Strictly Business, the show that turns dreamers into doers, into money-making machines. So let's get down to business. I'm glad to have everyone along with us today. Friday is the day. It's Good Friday. Yesterday was the opening season, opening day for Major League Baseball. March Madness is in the air, so people are out smiling. The sun's out. We have a lot to be thankful for. I wanted to bring, uh, some of you may remember, a few weeks ago we had Sid Michael on with us, Uncle Sid. So uh, he brought some information, and Sid's been out at the National Auto Dealers Association Conference, which is the largest conference of any conference like this in the world. It has all the latest and greatest in vendors. It's just really an incredible setup, and what I asked for him to do was come on and just basically give us an update of how the show went, what was going on. Um, he's going to tell us about because every vendor for all businesses are at this. So it's not just automobile related, although they're catering their pitches to automotive people. But uh, he's going to tell us some of the new stuff that's out and about, and uh, we'll just see how the conference went. So we're going to go to the phone lines. And uh, Sid, are you with us? Yeah, man. What's going on, buddy? What's happening? How was Vegas? Uh, Las Vegas was awesome, man. It was, it was, it was good. You know, I had a lot of familiar faces, a lot of people, uh, I hadn't seen in a while. A lot of people I don't want to see for a while. So, you know, it was good. Any Elvis impersonators running around? <laughs> uh, I didn't go to that part of town that you hang out in, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm sure they were down there. I didn't go down there, man. I was, I was strictly business and, and I was booked solid. So I didn't really have a lot of, uh, free time this, this trip. For those that don't know, uh, oftentimes I get mistaken for Fat Elvis because of my sideburns. So that was the uh, the joke thing. <laughs> it ain't the sideburns. Now come on. <laughs> you know, it's I was over in uh, I was over in Memphis the other day. I got done playing golf, and as I uh, I stop off at a gas station, and the lady says, she just kept staring me down. And as I go to check out, she says, "You know, you you look like just like Elvis." And I said, uh, "Really?" And uh, she says, do you get that ever? I said, well, every now and then. But she said, well, have you ever thought of singing? I said, well, no, not really. Well, you should try it. And I'm like, okay. She wouldn't let off the gas on it, though. I said, all right, I got to get out of here. That's awesome. You, you know, we used to, uh, when we would go up on Lake Lanier in Atlanta, we would always go to the, this place called the Lantern Inn, and they had an Elvis impersonator, man. And, dude, I mean, he might as well have been Elvis. All them country girls up there, man, they loved it. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> So what if was going on in Vegas? Any, we'd be in trouble. <laughs> anything good going on at uh, the NADA? I couldn't make it out this year. Well, man, you know, it's all vendors, man. And, and, and really, I didn't think there was as many dealers out there. And if they were, they were dealer's sons, you know, PhDs, Papa's got a dealership. So, you know, um, I, you know I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's always good to show your face to those kind of things, man. But I didn't see anything that was, you know, next level innovative. But then again, you know, where I'm coming from, we see stuff years before anybody else does, you know, it was pretty much just spinning old stuff, you know, but, uh, you know, uh, cat bots with, uh, with Facebook, that's, that's one of the hottest things out right now. And of course people are, you know, talking about AI now, which scares everybody because they remember Terminator from being a kid, but what, you know, what's the deal that. with the chat bots with Facebook? How's that work? 
Well, chatbots are, you know, they're bots that actually kind of keep up with what you're doing. And they're, they're almost like your imaginary friend, you know what I mean? And, and uh, there's some out there that'll keep up with, you know, if there's recalls on the car or, you know, when's the last time you did an oil change or got tires or, you know, do you lease or finance or whatever. And it, it actually keeps up with you and it'll say, Hey, Chase, haven't seen you in a while. How are you thinking about some tires? Cause it knows you've done about 60,000 miles or whatever your tires are good for, you know? And, uh, it's crazy. It's, it's, uh, it's actually kind of scary at first, but it, uh, it's just a soft sale and offers them information. And of course, you know, if it, if it thinks you're real interested, it'll even offer you a link to buy right there online and have ship. Are there, uh, you mentioned artificial intelligence, AI, is that being used in business yet? Well, uh, yeah, that's what's doing a lot of your sales automation, man. And, and, and anything that like, anything that takes out, like, like for instance, you know, you know, I have a, 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 a I sold voice drops a couple years ago, but I now have drops 360 using ringless voicemail technology and you know, what, what it's value and what it really, you know, the, the core of what it really did was, you know, how much time, I mean, I don't know, Chase, if you've ever done 150 phone calls a day, like some of these, you know, outbound salespeople, but you know, the majority of the time is wasted on hold, listening to it ring, you know, sending it back to the, uh, you know, whatever again. So when you do a ringless voicemail technology or any kind of like capture tripwire, any kind of, you know, something like that, that'll actually, you know, automate the beginning of a, of a conversation. And, you, you know, it just changes the whole different, you know, aspect of, hey, Sid, I like what I hear. Tell me more. Right they heard the voicemail or if you're calling somebody and saying you know hey chase i know you're busy man uh can you ignore that car deal for a minute i got the next greatest thing in the world you know what i mean and, and i'm 10 percent. i mean what are you gonna say you're, you're already at an inferior position you know what i mean that's why a lot of a lot of people have marketing and what they call openers and the reason why they have openers is because you know it puts you back in a position of authority when you're when you're that guy begging for their five minutes it's hard to be the prize you know what i mean yeah like yeah i mean you're already down it's easy to get shot down even more especially by uh big old fat elvises <laughs> yeah so for so a lot of the listeners probably don't know what ringless ringless voicemail is and uh for the listeners just tuning in we have on the line with a sid michael sid's a marketing expert uh digital marketing <laughs> expert he's been doing marketing as long as i mean what 20 years plus sid long time yeah so and you know sid's been in the automotive business but he also uh now does lots of other things with uh his direct hit media company that he's the ceo of but um tell him about what how the ringless voicemail works and you know we have a lot of business owners that listen to the show a lot of small business yeah. owners how well, how could they use that for their business well essentially you know i could drop uh you know twenty thousand uh drops to a to a voicemail box uh, on a cell phone, you know, uh, a minute and, you know, and it, it creates havoc. I mean, it, you, you can, you can take like a direct mail piece or even a newspaper ad and, and add some voice drops to it. And, you know, I've got all the data so you can hit the, the right people. And, uh, when you do it, uh, I mean, it's like, I mean, it, it, it sets them on fire, you know, and, uh, they'll, they'll call in and it'll really, really get you a strong, uh, return, um, on, on, on calls, you know, it'll, it'll light your phone up. Um, but, but before us, because you get a, you get a voicemail, um, you know, it's got that personal touch to it and the multi-touch part to it. But in addition to that, man, where, where a lot of people mess up with the ringless voicemail, um, is, you know, especially car guys, they, they call and they try and make it sound salesy and add another hook to it. And, 
trying, you know, you know, coming in and seeing them where in reality, man, and I've, you know, I've been paid, you know, deep, you know, big money, you know, near, near five figures for a half day's consulting on just how to do the messages. Right. You know what I mean? And we actually did a split test just to give you an idea. And um, we did it on an automotive voicemail and just adding in at the end, Hey, do me a favor, take me on the show. Let me know you, you came by. Cause I'd love to see you when you do just saying something as easy as that like increase the response rate over 10%. So this is this would be great if you're having an event going on, uh, something you want to invite people out to because it gives you the ability and just because a lot of you listening probably still don't quite understand how this works, but just imagine that you pull your cell phone out of your pocket and you, it says you got a voicemail and you didn't hear the phone ring. Happens all the time. Uh, you're going to see that notification. You click into your voicemails and there's a message. Even though the phone didn't ring, you assume that you missed a phone call. And you click that voicemail, and that voicemail can be personalized uh, for your business. So you could have it say, you know, this is Chase from Chase's Bakery, and we're having a, a big, you know, bake-off this weekend. We wanted to invite you out, and you can test out all the, you know, our baked goods that we have on, on, on the street. But it gives you the ability to do that to, like Sid was saying, thousands and thousands of people. Um, so they, they see the voicemail, they listen to it, and then, of course, you can have a call to action where they call back. Or if you just want to blanket it, um, you know, Sid, is this something that's that's so expensive? Small business owners couldn't do it. Oh no, it's 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 it's, re- it's super inexpensive, and it's so powerful that it it, it really does, you know, uh, it really does pay for itself in the long run. I mean, um, you know, it, it, you can use it to list build. I don't know if anybody's list building. If you're not, uh, you need to start. Um, uh, but um, you, you can get, I've even got them where they can opt in and just get the information sent to them in text. And then it's an opt in. So you're all legal there. Um, the voicemail, obviously, if you think the, I mean, think about it like a buyback mailer in automotive where it says, you know, I'm interested, you know, Hey, you know, by the way, uh, Chase, we're interested in that 2017 GMC four wheel drive. Um, you know, we got people in the market for it. We, you know, could you consider letting us buy it back for a fair, fair price, you know? And so that's already a great message, and, and people like hearing that. But two, what if the you got a message from the dealer calling you, or even from Chase, calling you saying, "Hey, you know, come out and see us. I want to buy your car. Uh, I, I've sent you a, a, a letter, but I want to call you personally. You know, it really adds, you know, fuel to the fire, and it it makes things very effective. So you can combine uh, it with existing marketing. Yeah, and it's multi-touch. You know, anything is multi-touch. I mean. Like when you're talking direct mail or, or voice drops or, or even texting, SMS, uh, PPC, any kind of, uh, you know, like call to action to try and get, you know, somebody to start doing business with you. I mean, bottom of the, uh, you know, end of the day, the, the, the one thing you got to watch that will control or adjust your experience on the whole thing is called open rate, you know, like in an email, it's a subject line. Or in a text, you know, it's how many people open it when actually read it. But, I mean, just to give you an idea, and you know this as well as I do, and, and anybody claiming much more than this is lying to you because I've pulled 1,000-seat webinars live to see. But, you know, direct mail, even the best direct mail with, you know, scratch-offs and, you know, cute puppies on them or whatever, is a one around the average 1% open rate or, or effective rate. The other 99% of them are, are, are red, maybe red, but probably not. And, and they're, you know, uh, they're thrown away before they have anything that's effective. So 
knowing that if you had a direct mail piece that was actually made out of 24 karat gold and weighed an ounce of gold and was worth, you know, 1300 bucks or whatever it is right now, right? Like if it's in an envelope and it never gets opened and it just gets thrown out with the rest of the junk mail, how effective was that advertising? Right. Not, not effective at all. And just so everyone listening knows, Sid sells direct mail. So this is, yeah. these are facts yeah. coming from someone who's in the direct mail business and been in it for a long time. So it's, and it's not that it's not effective. It's just these, this is just the stats. It's just how it works. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I mean, you're talking sheer volume too. I mean, with direct mail, you drop 40 or 50,000 pieces and it has a 1% rate. That is 500 customers, which, you know, 500 swings of the bat, you're going to get a piece of one, even you chase, you might even get one over the fence once. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's going to create deals because it's sheer volume. Now uh, here's the, uh, here's the thing though. So if you can adjust that open rate, then you're going to adjust all the other KIPs or the numbers that are coming out of that after that. But the first one that you got to mess with is the open rate. And if it's at 1% and stuck and, and locked in there, you know, you're in trouble. And then you got to think of something more, you know, uh, more uh, effective or more, you know, you got, you got to, you got to change the game. Right. So with the RVMs, it, it it'll increase your uh, response rate or your open rate significantly because voicemails get opened somewhere around 86% of the time, as high as 96% of the time. And, and so so everyone on, knows uh, RVM is ringless voicemail. That's that's what we're talking about. And right. you said the open rate for it compared to direct mail is how high? Well, direct mail is around 1%, you know, on average. I've seen 2% before. But, you know, when you talk 80-something percent with the, with the ringless, I mean, you know, I've seen entire campaigns do, you know, uh, low 30% responses. To the point where we're like we were doing ten thousand pieces, Chase, and and uh, you know they they got they got thirty two hundred phone calls. I had like third party call centers fire me. <laughs> Go, yeah, we appreciate it. We're gonna do that for you again. Well, what do you mean? You know that didn't work out. No, you know we had to go from you know twenty operators to sixty, you know in thir- in three minutes, and 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 they absolutely you know blindsided us for for four hours. You know what I mean? It's it's so potent that you got to slow it down and trickle it and not do those mass drops like that, or you're just going to get burned. Well, you know? and one of the things to effective marketing and business, and, um, and Sid knows this as good as anybody does, is you have to be prepared when the customer comes. Because when they show up, if you spent the money to get them there, uh, the, the marketing's worked, it's been effective. Now they're judging their experience in your business based on this. I turn down marketing for service all the time because we can't handle more the way we're set up right now. And of course our plan is to always grow the business, but you don't want to grow it too fast to where, you know, if I go do some mailer for service and everyone brings their car in to get an oil change and we can't deliver them effectively. Well, it was just a waste of, of time doing the advertising. All you did was make more customers mad at you. And that's, that's ineffective marketing. If you, if you can't handle your marketing and you're making people mad, you're not, give them a, a good buying process. I mean, that's uh, that's no, no. And uh, unfortunately uh, to people that either one don't have want to put in the effort or two don't care because it ain't their, their money. Um, somebody who, uh, you know, neglects and that happens sometimes. And, and, you know, people just don't know because they're, you know, either over multiple stores and, and, and aren't, aren't there to know that, you know, something's going wrong or people are leaving mad. They don't know until after it's already created, you know, the damage. So, that you know you do got to be careful of that but when you're ready to have a big event and, and rock and roll and, and get in some traffic and really create that energy buzz man there's nothing more effective than, than ringless voicemail so one other thing that you mentioned um 
we've we've kind of talked about the ringless voicemail, and I think everyone at least understands what they are now. But uh, you mentioned list building, and when you have Sid on the phone, he goes over so many things so fast that sometimes uh, a lot of people don't even know what list building means. Um, you're an expert at that. I know that you have a list yourself that you know that you distribute to. But how do, how do, how can people do that in their business, and how do you find? I mean, I know your list is effective for you, but how do you utilize it? I'm, I'm going to tell you the quickest, easiest, fastest way in the world, and a lot of people don't even realize that's, that, that that's really the purpose of what they're doing. But the easiest way to build a list, in, even for your business or for anything, is on Facebook, and they're called Facebook groups. Yeah, you know? yeah, I know. I've seen you have so you have a few groups on there. I have a bunch of you know. We got F and I Elite. We got you know uh, automotive salespeople. I've got uh, car drops. I got the World Series of Car Sales, which is a, you know a TV show that I'm uh, working on, and uh, you know we got a lot of stuff working. I mean, I've got all kinds of. Uh, I've got juicing for uh, weight loss. I've got a, a shared recipe page. Man, like my recipe page goes faster than all of them. You also have one that's popular that's uh, about Jeeps, right, or off road. Oh yeah, I've got Jeeps, and I've got uh, I've also got uh, diesel trucks, which is growing faster than the Jeeps. I, I did the Jeeps because uh, the, the guy who taught me the car business, John Reinhardt, in, in uh, uh, up in Dawsonville, Georgia, has a all Jeep store, Primary Auto, and so uh, I started building it for him and, and got it up to like two or three hundred people and and gave it to him, you know, just as a gift. And, and uh, man, he jumped right on. It. He's got his people working, and he's all excited. He's like, man, this thing's got a lot of value to it. And I was like, yeah, man, you know, I mean, it's, it's a common place where people come and post their Jeeps and, you know, you can sit there and just cherry pick the, the nicest ones. And if they come and trade, maybe you can sell them another one. So, yeah. You, Sid, know. You, you know, Sid, one thing I, I think everyone listening should understand. Um, and if you're just tuning in, we have on the phone with us, Sid Michael. Sid's a marketing expert, uh, CEO of Drops 360. He's a friend of mine, but he's a serial entrepreneur. That's why you hear all the stuff he's got going on always. But, um, when you hear Sid talk, I would think that you are like some genius and, you know, can write your own code and do all this, but I know you good enough to know that's not true. So all the, what he's talking about with the Facebook groups, I mean, you're self-taught, right? My mama thinks it's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What'd you say? But you're self-taught, right? You taught yourself how to make yeah. these Facebook groups. I mean, it's not oh, like yeah. someone listening couldn't go do it themselves. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm self, I'm self-taught and, 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 and and Chase, you know, I think you might remember. I mean, it was like in 2012. I called you because uh, a, a guy who was a he was a bill collector, made eight bucks an hour, and came out with a a, a product uh, t- teaching this to people. And, and the kid bought his like mom a house, and 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 the guy's done well over eight figures since. Um, last time I saw him, he's in bushes, drunk at an event, and then now the kid's like rich and you know like doing real really well because he figured out the Facebook you know list building side of it. And he had a pit bull page that had two million, you know, followers. Which, you know, that okay, that's, that sounds like a big deal. But you got to realize the scale and the reach of the internet is next level. You know, like even you know, I've got nine hundred customers in Australia. I would have never sold them a car locally. You know, or, or very few if, if possible. But when you got that scale and reach of the internet, you can reach out as far as you want. Uh, you realize he 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 does a post for a I love Pitbull bumper sticker and it fails miserably and only closes, you know, 2%. Well, that's 20,000 stickers. And and if he's selling them for three bucks with a two, $2 markup, you know, every post that he does, 
you know, that's that's a sixty thousand dollar sale with forty thousand of it net profit. And by the way, you don't even have to store the inventory. You can have those things print and drop shipped on demand. And so, not only that, how much how much did the Facebook page cost them to make? It, 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 that's where a lot of people you, you can get somebody to build them for you, but don't think that they're like a web page. I mean, and they're pretty self explanatory. About it. anybody should be able to set up a Facebook page, but. You know, I've done it for people before. They're like, "Oh, no, you can't do that." I mean, I, that's too much. I mean, that's like what fifteen hundred bucks? Well, fifteen hundred bucks. Like, it took me three minutes. Like, well, and the good no. news is, if you don't know how to do it, your grandkids do. So no, that's right. Just just get your grandkids to, your <laughs> yeah. phone, and they'll, they'll go ahead and do it for you. Yeah, so you can have it set up. But uh, Sid, I know that you're on the road, and uh, I know that you you said you had limited time. But while I've got you, and before I let you go, uh, I know that you know. Last time we talked, and a lot of people that listen to the show are, are maybe not in business yet, or they're still working their job, but they're thinking of the, you know their idea or their next greatest thing is, or they just have that idea in their head, or maybe even listening to us gets them thinking about those ideas. And I know that you had a regular job at one time. Uh, it's been a long time ago, but... Um, how did you make Chase, the change from Chase, everybody's got ideas now, now I'm not doubting ideas and, I, and I'm an idea guy myself, but dude, ideas, I mean, please come on, man. Like we all have ideas. The idea is not what is successful. You know, you have an idea and then somebody stole your idea. Uh, you're, you got low mindset because without execution, an idea is nothing but a dream. So you got to be able to execute what you're, idea is and and that's where people hold up and and trust me listen i get it man like when when i uh you know started business on my own um you know i was kind of like thrown to the wolves so it was like baptized baptized by fire you know i i had basically the guy pencil whipped my pay plan and and, and i gave him an ultimatum and he took me up on it and I, you know, I had to walk and uh when i did you know I, I i had a lot of business so i went ahead and, you know i don't know if i ever told you man but it was like a 45 minute ride from alfreda to to Buford and, and I sold, it was just ironic. A lot of the deals that I was working just started coming through and I sold 45 grand worth of direct mail on the 45 minute ride home. And I, I knew I had to send them an invoice and, and I, I didn't think I had a computer. I stopped at Walmart and got a, a, a tablet of invoices and hand wrote them, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and, I, and I, it was like three dealers and one of the guys goes, you know, I was like, Hey, listen, there's only one thing's changed. You know, I had a falling out with something. So, and so, I need you to write the check directly to Sid Michael. And he was like, yeah, right. No way. <laughs> you know, one guy said, you know, kiss my butt, right? I'm not going to let you do this to me. But the other two guys, you know, knew me and, and stuck with me and trusted me. So they were like, I don't care as long as it happens. And, um, man, I I'm telling you, if, if I personally would have waited until I was ready, I would still be, be waiting for, you know, put one more grand in the bank and hope that it, you know, I, w I just wasn't ready. You know what I mean? I made excuses and I couldn't save enough and be prepared enough. And you get stuck trying to over-prepare and like, you know, analysis paralysis and, 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 uh, and, you know, and people get stuck there. I call it getting spinning out on go. It, I see it so much that it's, it's actually kind of sad and, and, and we're all victims of it. So don't think that you're above it or that, you know, that's a problem other people have because you're going to be on that bus too soon if you're not careful or if you, you know, don't watch out, but you know, man, imperfect action is straight up the most you know the most valuable advice i could give anybody before you don't take no action you're better off to take imperfect action and get out there and make something happen now you know there can be downfalls from that too and i don't want to scare people but you know i've you know my my first direct mail piece 
was supposed to say, you may have won $5,000, match your number. And if it matches, you're the grand winner. Well, there was a, 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 a typo, you know, um, and, and it's, and it went out all over Virginia. And by the way, I was doing a sale. So I was there on location, you know, I could see the people come in mad picketing and all that, but it said, you won $5,000. You know, it didn't, it wasn't clear oh, that you may man. have won. So 25,000 people in Virginia thought they won $5,000, you know, and it's not like I had so much money saved up that I could just reprint $15,000 mailers. You know what I mean? I mean, it was a, it, it, it was a bad time, you know? And, uh, Man, I had people picketing about the time I had three or four people sitting in the showroom to buy a car. Somebody had come in there and, and dog cuss out my, you know, my greeter or, or somebody and she'd start crying and all the customers would get up and, you know, you turn around, they'd all be gone. It, it was bad. I mean, I was the number one, number one story on the, on the, on the, back, uh, on the uh, six o'clock news, you know what I mean? And they had, we had people like all like, I mean, it was like a, like, uh, almost a demonstration. I mean, you know, I mean, they made it, you know, they felt like they were, they were duped. Or they all knew that they got us, you know, in a bad position and was going to have a settle and, and get, they were going to get something for nothing. You know, you know how that is, you know. Sure. But uh, it was scary, man. And and and, you know, I, I joke and say it cost me a hundred grand to learn the business because it was like weeks after that I had another mailer where the, you know, they had an insured winner, right? And 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 the girl stuck her key in the little box and twisted it and it, and it lit up. Well, it's because she jammed it in there. You know, I mean when you win something like that, there is an insurance policy and the insurance company has to verify that that's the winner. You know, even if that thing lights up, if not every locksmith in America would be getting rich, you know, right. going and, and cutting the keys for these things. Well, you know, I'm not trying to creep anybody out, but I mean, you know, I mean, I had the news trucks, you know, doing hot laps around my neighborhood while I was combat crawling under the trampoline. You know what I mean? I mean, cause <laughs> they, they didn't have my, uh, they didn't have my best interest in, in their, you know, the interview you do is never the the news, uh, you know, what you hear, uh, you know, they chop it up and, 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 you know, who knows what they have you saying, but it ain't nothing near what you tried to say. And, uh, you know, they made it out like, you know. So your uh, story uh, was we tried to reach him by phone, but he was unavailable. <laughs> what, no, I told the lady, you, you know, we got to check with the insurance. I'll let you know Monday. You know, I was at, I was at Georgia LSU, man. I wasn't worried about checking insurance, but I said, I'll let you know Monday. Well, you know, uh, uh Channel, you know, the, the news Saturday night, two days before, you know, uh, uh, went on and goes, uh, grand prize winner at the car dealership. Evidently, you might not really have won. Are these car dealers lying to you? You know, and that's, you know, the people just getting a frenzy over that. Right. And uh, so anyways, the, the bottom line is, is, you know, I, I did cover myself. I went to the state and the AG and, and before she asked for me to come. Uh, you know, invited me. I went and took, was proactive about it. And it was a, a tough six hours of being told I was a low life, but you know, it was a, a true honest mistake. And, 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 you know, it, we did all the retractions and, and made it right. But, you know, it, it cost me, you know, 10 times what that mailer cost to make it right and do all the, you know, press releases and, and retractions, man, you can't make mistakes like that in starting business. So you just got to make sure that you're ready to be, you know, you remember Robert and Goose, and then they, the, the the guy that Falcon Gilmer played, the Ice Man. Yeah, you got to be the Ice Man because the way you make money is not making any mistakes. If you're out there making as equal mistakes to to your successes, you're actually losing money. You know, so yeah. risk management. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be make sure you're ready and 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 you know, you know, check twice, cut once, type deal, man. Because I'm telling you, it uh, 
you can get in a hole real fast and get yourself in trouble. And man, you know, I mean, you have horror stories, I'm sure. Sure. You know. From, well, that's that's part know. of being in business, and uh, it's something that's not talked about often. Uh, you know, which is why I like that that we can bring it up and talk about it, and people can yeah. get to hear the real side of what business is. It's and I've said it before, it's not all rainbows and sunshines. It, it's tough. And um, really, the people who are successful, they just persevere through whatever it thro- you know life throws your way and business throws your way. And, well, um, I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. I'm too dumb to quit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> really? You know, if I was smart, I would have quit a long time ago and let somebody else stress out about it and just get on a nice little pay plan and, you know, and, and be a salesman, you know, but. Yeah, some reason I got that burning fire that I think the Lord gives me, and you know, in my stomach, and I and I haven't put it out yet. So I'm like on a, an eternal quest of of entrepreneurship, so I can put it put it out somehow. I don't know what it's going to take: helicopter, jet, something. So just so everyone listening knows, Sid used to tell me, uh, "What was your saying? If you take enough stabs, eventually you'll hit an artery." No, I used to say, "You stab enough pigs, you're going to get blood on you." <laughs> stab enough pigs, you're going to get blood. There you go. Yeah, I mean. They're like, man, I can't believe you get around people that other guy took advantage of you or, you know, try to get over on you. And, and truth be known, I never lost a dime, it, it, you know, real real numbers. But, you know, I mean, I'm like, buddy, I'm out here stabbing pigs, man. I got I to gotta get y'all work every week, you know. But, I mean, when you're stabbing pigs, there's blood splattering everywhere. I'm going to get some on me, Yeah. you know. So. so before I let you go, how was Vegas? It was good, man. You know, I, I um, you know, I, I, I didn't really, I casually gambled. You know, I didn't really get nuts. You know, and I've been known to get nuts. You know, I wasn't trying to do no meltdown or nothing. Sid is a gambler, but, just so everyone knows. He does enjoy. I didn't really see one. The casino. But, uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I like low, low risk, high reward, and uh, I threw in five bucks in the little video poker thing, man, and, and rocked the five aces for a, a nice return. So yeah, I mean that part was cool. But uh, you got yourself a hand pay. I got me a hand pay. That's what you need to get you a hand pay. <laughs> Chase likes to make fun of me, him and his little uh, little Chase, because I told him, I said, dude, the only way you can change the atmosphere or change, you're not going to get like better or, or worse right in five minutes of playing anything, especially a slot machine where you're kind of up to just luck. I was like, the only thing that changes good and bad is energy. So we got to get the energy up and don't be having those frowns on your faces. All right. You know, put down one of those beers and smile right so i'm like come on melt down melt down give me a hand pay and you know of course they like to make fun of me now but it was well you're the only person i know that talks to the slot machine that's all what man you want a slot machine chase hell i'll give you one for half price (laughs) (laughs) well so if someone wants to get in touch with you sid how can they reach you uh especially in regards to the uh, ringless voicemail i'm sure we're going to have lots well, of people interested in hearing more about that. Well, I mean, you know, uh, you, you know, those are your buddies and stuff and friends up there and neighbors. So um, the uh, drops360.com is the website. But, um, the, you know, uh, I've also got coachsid.com and Sid is S-Y-D. Um, but coachsid.com, if, uh, you know, if you, you want to spend 30 minutes on the phone or whatever, I, I, I'll do that. Or if you want me to. Like I do sales meetings for uh, some guys where I'll call and orchestrate and do their whole sales meeting for them and whatnot. There's links there, but but the main thing is it does have a way to get in touch with me. Um, and, and if you if you um, if you send if you send in a uh, send in a support ticket to Sid dot I don't help H E L P at Sid dot support S Y D dot support. And uh, if you send that in, I'll invite you to my app. 
and that's really the way to get the latest and greatest, uh, coolest thing. I mean, Chase reads it daily in the office there. So it's help. Uh, give it to us one more time, just in case they didn't help catch it. H e l p at sid s y d dot support help at sid dot support. And then from there, you'll so you can send them a link or an opt in to to where they can find the app. Yep. Okay, yep. well, we're, we're, I appreciate you coming on with us, Sid. We're going to take yeah, a man. short break, and then uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you next time. Awesome, man. Uh, thanks, man. All Appreciate right, thanks. You. You're listening to 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. This is Strictly Business, and we'll be back. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. And right now, during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and 499 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender. 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. We're back. You're listening to 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. This is Strictly Business, the show that turns dreamers into doers and money-making machines. In studio, we have special guest, my good friend, Mr. Chase Edwards. Chase works with me at the dealership, and he's agreed to come on the show. And uh, he's just going to be hanging out today and helping me out with any of the questions and things we have. So... We just got off the phone with uh, with Sid, and Chase knows Sid. We, we were talking about the hand pay. You just missed it. He just walked in and missed it. We were talking about uh, the meltdown, and, and Sid hit five aces in Vegas. And the um, the only lie I really heard him tell on the air was, is he said he only put $5 in the slot machine. That's definitely a lie. <laughs> right. Yeah, I said, okay, sure. Just a lot of times he put $5 in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sid and I have a saying when we leave a casino, we're good for casinos because there's no way we're leaving with any money. So I do my best to stay away from them. But uh, getting back to business, uh, March Madness is in full swing, and it's one of my favorite times of the year because there's always that Cinderella story. There's always that chance for the underdog to do something great, and uh, we have that in the Final Four this year with uh, Loyola Chicago has made it to the Final Four. And I learned something today I didn't know. They said they've actually won a national championship before, which apparently I guess was maybe 40 or 50 years ago. But uh, anytime I see those stories, I think about how difficult it would be to coach these kids and to get effective results in and out of um, you know the programs and recruiting and the things they go through. But then it got me thinking about the parallels between coaching and business. I watched a 30 for 30 the other night on uh, Coach Calipari, and they were talking about uh, just all sorts of things. And the more I watched it, the more I realized he would be a phenomenal businessman. 
and just seeing that this is a guy that takes freshmen every year and converts them from broke freshman students into men that will become multimillionaires by the end of the year and then how to deal with that. And the 30 for 30 touched on everything from uh, all the scandals that have been around programs he's been a part of to the players and the relationships that he's had. But uh, I think a lot more of him as a coach after watching it. But it was very interesting. So I wanted to just touch on some of the things that are very similar in business to coaching in uh, not just college basketball, but in any sports team and business. And one of those is recruiting. I mean, it's always important to get fresh talent on the roster. And oftentimes, and this is something I think everyone needs to remember, is your next best employee, you never know where you're going to meet them. I mean, you could be in a drive-thru and they could be taking your order. Uh, could be oftentimes the people who will be our best and most successful person in what we do, we would never even know. It's They're doing something right now and they don't even know their potential. And some of you listening right now don't know your potential. Maybe you're just going through the motions of life and you haven't found that inspiration. And that's what this show is all about is just to get fired up, to find something that you're passionate about. And if you're passionate about anything, you'll find a way to make it happen because it's not like uh, it's not like working. So in coaching, we talk about uh, recruiting is an important part, and people think as you breeze over that, well, yeah, sure, it's important. But in in so many times in business, we don't take a deep dissect look at things. We think, well, my employees are pretty good. And the the fact is, is how do you know? I mean, are your customers happy? Is business what it should be? Could they be doing more? Uh, what type of evaluations do you do? When was the last time you sat down with someone that works for you and you said, hey, let's do a one-on-one and we're going to do an evaluation of your performance? In small business, these things don't hardly happen ever. And it's something that if you if you don't tell about, if you don't share with your associates where they're at, where they can improve and what they do, then you're shortchanging them. And in turn, you're shortchanging yourself and the customer. I talked earlier this week, uh, I was able to go on every Tuesday. I'm on uh, with Jimmy Duke from 9 till about, well, 9.15 till about 9.30. And we usually give a little preview of this week's show. And uh, he asked me about um, about firing people. And I said, uh, we started talking about it. And through firing people, I shared with him an experience, and I'll share it with you guys, of a time when, I remember the first time as I'd worked my way up through management that my boss said, hey, you need to go fire that guy. And at the time, when it, when it hit me, it became real. I'm like, wow, I have to go fire him. And this guy had a family. He's married. He had kids. And he says to me, I said, well, I don't know, you know that, if that's a good idea and um, all these things. But it, so he says, well, Chase, you said he's a terrible employee. You said he's not doing what he's supposed to do, so we need to get rid of him. And I said, well... The problem was I'd never told him that. And as a manager, I was young. I didn't know any better. But um, he gave me a a moment, a little speech there. And in that moment, I realized that this is part of being a manager. And he told me, he said, Chase, I've never felt bad about firing someone because they fired themselves. And I said, that's a good way to look at it. And he says, but the only way that works is if you clearly communicate to them where their shortcomings are and what they're not doing right. And if you don't give them the chance to know what they're doing wrong and a chance to correct it, then you can't, that's why you feel the way that you feel. He says, so I'm going to give you a chance to go over there and be a manager and coach this guy 
And then if he doesn't get on the right track, we'll let him go. So he gave me a hall pass. So I went over right away. I did an evaluation with the guy. I said, here's where you're failing. And um, he actually was kind of in shock. He was one of those people that I say suffered from delusions of grandeur because he he thought that he was doing a great job. And the facts were he, he wasn't. But he made improvements. He got it together. And I ended up not having to fire him. But uh, that's a good lesson to, to, to remember and so many times in small businesses and everything from gas stations, convenience stores, when I walk through the door, I'm always looking around the place. Is it clean? Is the trash been taken out? Is the signage correct? Uh, you know, are the shelves faced properly? Do they have their name tags on? And that's just my brain, you know, because that's just how I think of things. But in doing that, I always think to myself, wonder how long they've worked here. And is it, are we just accepting the performance that we're getting? And maybe that's the case, but it's important to remember to do those performance evaluations because I can tell you in coaching, if the performance isn't there, you're not going to be on the court. Those coaches are there for one reason, and that's to win basketball games and to help develop those young men. But uh, above and beyond recruiting and business, I think it's really important that we talk about um, just – growing the team and what it means to to get a team to gel and to get a team to work together. Uh, most of you listening know by now that I'm from West Virginia and I'm a huge West Virginia Mountaineers fan. Bob Huggins is a man from West Virginia and I think he's a fantastic coach. But uh, Coach Huggins, he took all of the players this year and he took them down to the coal mines. And he said, in the state of West Virginia, these people drive from all over the state to watch you guys play basketball. So they come up out of this coal mine, they get in their car, and they drive three hours to get here on a work night to watch you play. It's our job to play for the fans. It's our job to put on a show because this is what our fans go through day in and day out, and we're all Mountaineers. And um, so when, when, when the, this happened earlier in the year, and then of course there were some news stories covering it, and I saw it, but I realized that in that moment what Huggins is great at is creating that camaraderie creating that sense of team. And he's one of those people that when you see him, he manages almost kind of like I do from the sense of he's not like over the top uh, screaming at you. In a game he will, but he's very dry. Like to the media, he's dry. To the players, he's dry. He's intense in moments, but he gets his point across by just kind of that, almost like that that evil stare that you're just, you're terrified of and you don't know why. But but part of growing a team and in business, when was the last time you did something for your employees? When was the last time you uh, did anything for a team building activity or to get to know the people that work for you? So part of part of coaching is uh, is building a team. And in business, I always say that the, the best the best comparison to business is coaching. You know, if you're the GM, well, you're the GM, you're the head coach, and it's your job to develop those players and to get them all playing for the same goal, which is to win those titles. If you want to get in on the conversation, the text line is 731-215-0158, sponsored by Victory Honda. And uh, you can shoot us a text, ask away any questions, comments, or if you've heard anything throughout the show you want to know more about, shoot us a text, or you can post it up online, facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show. And you can comment right there on the wall, or you can shoot a message and uh, if you, because a lot of a lot of our listeners are right here local in West Tennessee, so if if you have a question, 
you can post it up or send me a message anonymously, and we'll we'll leave your business off of it, and we'll still give you some advice that will help you turn things around or get things going in the right direction. And maybe things are fine, but it doesn't mean you can't do better. So keep that in mind. Um, yeah, I got a question, actually. Uh, it's personally for me. Um, I understand the and can relate to the coaching to management uh, correlation. So uh, my question, I, I always remember that when I was in sports uh, myself, I always remember I had two types of coaches, one type of coach that would motivate you positively and the other, like you mentioned, some people, they like to scream and yell and sure. get up in your face about it. So I understand there's two different approaches to uh, managing and coaching people. Um, do you think one, which do you think is the better way? And two, does it more depend on the manager or the type of person you're trying to coach and how they react to certain types of motivation or negative and positive feedback? So my opinion on it is, is you have to be you. And I think that different people can pull off different management styles. I've worked for people who were the kind of uh, shout at you or whatever the case may be. And I don't know that that's always the case, but and I say you can push people harder if they're happy in their workplace. If they enjoy being there and they're making money, then you can push people harder. And uh, actually, Coach Calipari talked about the other night. He said when he went to the NBA, he failed. And he failed because the guys didn't care as much as the college students. The college guys were trying to make it. The NBA guys, they already made it. And he said they – I remember he said the ball came off the glass and, and the guy just stood there and watched it go out of bounds. And I called him over and I'm screaming at him going, well, you got to dive and get the rebound. And they're like, listen, we're not diving for anything. We're not taking a chance of getting hurt. And he said if it's not the, you know, the fourth quarter of the NBA finals, these guys aren't, aren't taking any risk or diving after anything – and he said it was tough for my coaching style to be effective. Um, you know this because you work for me, but uh, my management style, I think, is kind of more motivate. I motivate, and I believe that that's uh, – I always say you can motivate by fear or you can motivate by just building your team up and explaining to them why it's good for them, which is the style that I've always went went with. And there's the saying, you know, you get more bees with honey than vinegar – and I think that that's just the way it is in business. I believe that people enjoy working for you. And if they do, they'll do more for you. And like a lot of times for me personally, I'll tell the guys, hey, and they know I'm nice all the time, but I'll say, hey, listen, this is what's going on. This is why we need to do it. And, you know, you guys know I'm not hard on you, but I'm, I'm asking for help. And a lot of times they they because they, they know how they've been treated by me. And they're, they feel like, well, now we need to give back to him because they're happy in the workplace. In order for them to really appreciate that management style, though, they've had to have the other. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've had the other, and I, I mean, for me personally, I've responded to this much better. And, uh, you know, I work for you, and I work for you because I enjoy working for you. But uh, as you know, the guy before you was the exact opposite. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't respond nearly as well. To the, and that's just for me personally. Well, and, and I think, like I said, that's the case. The cool thing about management is most of us in life have experienced both, even if it's not in the workplace, w whether it was a teacher, a coach, or someone in school, we all kind of get to a place where, you know, that's just something that, that comes up along the, along the road. But I find that, uh, you know, in coaching and especially in college sports, you look on the sidelines and you see these guys, you know, screaming at the top of their lungs and, 
in, in that moment of game and winning and it's all on the line, I can see where even I would be a little bit more enthusiastic. The toughest part about business is every day is the game. You know, there's no practices. There's no time to work together. I mean, it's we, we practice on the fly, and that's why businesses fail because they go through this mundane routine. Well, when do you work on getting better? When do you fix processes and improvement? And that's something that you have to force yourself to do in the business place is you have to say, we're going to train during this time or we're going to have and, you know, in, in our business, we have a meeting the same time every single day. And in that meeting, we talk about all sorts of things. Now, there's other trainings that we do or we schedule that are larger. We'll have guest trainers or people come in for product training. And uh, we try to just stay innovative in all areas of business. And oftentimes, you know, you can get a lot of great help and it doesn't cost much. Sometimes, and like we were talking with Sid earlier, I feel like people hear advice and they go, well, but that doesn't apply to me because of X. And there's always like an excuse. And in business, you have to be able to, to hear constructively everything that's said and then really analyze, is that, is that obvious in my business? The best way that you can measure that is through your success. You look at, um, I went through a training, uh, can't think of the name of the company. It's a sandwich company that's in, uh, they're in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and they're, they were in a book called Little Giants. The name will come to me. But in this, in this training, um, they talked about how they had the opportunity to go to Disney, which for Disney to say they're going to take you is like a huge deal. And they said, Disney calls them up and says, we want to sell your sandwiches in our parks. And they said, no. So we're not interested in doing that. And they said, well, well, why not? They said, because we sell sandwiches in Ann Arbor. We're not interested in going anywhere else. And there's something to be said for just doing it right and, and mastering that process. And they talked about why they did it. And they said, we wanted to stay true to our core beliefs. We wanted to stay in control of our product. We didn't want outside influences from Disney. So I just found that uh, that very interesting when I through the training that and this this company does uh can't remember the exact dollars, but it's in the little giants, it's like ten million plus in in you know profits and revenues, and it's a sandwich shop. And anytime you're in Ann Arbor, the line's down the street for this place. So obviously they know they're doing it the right way. And they talked about how they have uh customer feedback and how customers can suggest things. But it's important and I always say that you have to keep the pulse of your business and the best way to keep the pulse is to listen to the customers. So we're going to take another short break. If you want to get in on the conversation, the number to text is 731-215-0158, or you can post it up online at facebook.com backslash the chase channel show. You're listening to 105.3, the talk of Jackson. We'll be back. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. And right now, during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. 
That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender, 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. We're back. That was the OJs for the love of money. You're listening to Strictly Business. This is 105.3, the talk of Jackson. And we have in studio still with us our special guest this week, Mr. Chase Edwards. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I'm just glad that we finally got you out of your office and on the air. Yeah. Yep. Uh, wasn't too tough to get over here today. Uh, during the break, I got a, a text in. Looks like we heard from an Elvis fan, actually. Uh, the question was, is, are you single? Seems like a personal question, but are you single? And it was signed Priscilla. Priscilla. Very funny. I see we got some jokesters out there. The answer to the question is, yes, I am single. And, uh, I, you know, if Priscilla is out there, I think I would be interested. I just wonder if Priscilla's met you because you are very similar looking to Elvis. <laughs> Well, so a lot of the listeners you may know or you may not know, if you go over to Facebook and you check out facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show, or if you have an iPhone, you click the podcast button on your phone. It's on all iPhones. Type in the Chase Channel Show. You'll actually see the show logo, and it's a microphone with the Elvis hair on it. So now, if you didn't know, you know via radio. But that's how it came about. And it's kind of funny where the hair came from. So 
I spent my whole life with really short hair. My dad was... I've never heard this, <laughs> by the way, so I'm interested in this story. So my dad was uh, in the military, and I had uh, kind of longer blondish hair when I was a kid, and my hair is jet black now. That happened when I was maybe 10. But um, my dad was in the in the military. He would get these haircuts, these like high and tight, like to the skin, flat tops were in style back there. I mean, we're talking like early 90s. And uh, I would go and I wanted to cut just like my dad's. I would get the flat top. I had to wax and I would like wax up my flat top and go to school. And I was just loving life because I looked just like my dad. And um, when I got in the car business, I moved to Atlanta. I started dating this girl and I always still had short hair, but it had gotten a little longer. I'd have like a little length on the top and I would kind of flip it up a little bit with gel and she said, man, I just love your hair. And she's like, well, I think you should grow it longer. So I never really thought about this or my sideburns or any of that. I don't think I even had sideburns at this time. I would always shave them off. So as my hair starts to grow, I get these sideburns. Well, then all of a sudden, everyone's like, you look like Elvis. I'm like, well, that's not such a bad thing, you know, looking like Elvis. But as it went on, you know, it was funny because until you hear it from about 100 people, you're like, well, maybe I do. And then at that point, it just became my trademark everywhere I went. I'm like, well, people recognize me by the hair, so I got to keep the hair going. And it's funny, I think you know now, if I show up to work with no hair gel, people don't hardly recognize me. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know at work even uh, when I'm talking to a customer or something, I mean, you know, selling cars is kind of a stressful atmosphere for both the salesperson and the uh, and the customer and a finance guy and anybody who has to be in that situation. It's not the best situation, but I even use your Elvis-like looks as an icebreaker for a lot of customers just because uh, it's uh, it's it's unique, it's memorable, uh, so I, you know, adopt it and run with it. I remember uh, when I would go sit down and talk to customers, because I'm a big guy, you know, I'm 6'4", 400. I know it sounds big, but it's not that big. I'm well-proportionate, but I'm 6'4", and at this and time... quite athletic. Quite athletic, yeah, that's true. And and he's being serious. But um, at this time, I was actually fit. I worked out back then. I was like 200. And I would go over to customers. And, of course, I'm a big guy. And I would sit down. And they were expecting, like, I think, like, kind of like more of like an intense interaction. And I would just sit back and kind of kick back. And I would just say, so what's going on? And then they were like, they thought we were going to get down to business. And I would just want to go over and strike up the conversation, see what's going on. And I'd say, so where are we at on the uh, on this car? You know, what do, what do we want to do? And, you know, they would say, well, we wanted to get it for whatever this is. And I'd say, well, let me see if I can make it happen. And uh, we would get them rolling in a new car. But I remember that it always helped me out because uh, it just seemed like, like you said, it was like this icebreaker. And the funniest part was we sold cars in Duluth, Georgia, which is like the number one Korean population. It's got to be in the country. Well, I mean, all the signs are in Korean. Right. Everything's Korean. We're selling Korean cars in Koreatown, basically. And here I am, you know, country boy from West Virginia, going through complete culture shock. And as these uh, clients would come in, we would be doing deliveries. And all every time, like, it'd be a husband and wife, and the Korean women, would they would say, you look like a movie star. And I would say, and it was because they grew up watching Elvis. Right. You know, and so, and over there, if you ever look at like the Korean movie stars today, which you do, he actually Chase watches. Yeah, Korean. I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Korean cinema, but yeah, back in the day, I mean, the the most popular movies were the Elvis movies. Right. So they always would say, "You look like a movie star." Of course, I would always say, "Well, do you have any daughters my age?" And see if I could 
you know, at least work my way in the door. Right. And uh, but it was always funny because it never failed, but it always worked as a good icebreaker. So that was that's the story of the hair. That's how the hair came to be. But uh, while we're getting some uh, customer interaction here uh, over on Facebook, Greg asked, uh, how do you decide how much money to spend in advertising for my business? How do I decide? Great question, Greg. Uh, That's a question that is different in every business, but I'm going to give you a few tips that you can use. In our business, we decide based on how much per car. So I look at it because everything we do in business is return on investment, ROI. And you'll hear me use that term a lot, but I would never cap myself on what I spend in advertising. I would see what I get out of the advertising. And the best way to do that, and this is something that I've done in every business I've turned around, is I go in and I start by cutting off all advertising. And I know that sounds drastic, but I do it for a couple reasons. One, I want to see if customers notice. Two, I like to meet all the vendors, and there's no faster way to get your radio and TV and every rep in America in the door than than to cancel the contracts. And C, I just want to see if there's a drop in business or not. And off, you know, some businesses can't afford to have a drop, but that's just the way that I feel like it works. And a lot of times you're surprised because the dip's not as drastic as what you think. But as the reps come in or as the customers come in, and I also ask every customer, how did you hear about us? Now, that's a question that we ask in business, but we usually say it's something like this. We say, hey, you know, how, how did you guys hear about us? That's as, that's as hard as anyone's ever going to try. And the person says, well, you know, we just always been coming here. That's not the answer you're looking for because there's some reason that they came there. Now, granted, are there repeat customers that just come because it's where they've always came? Yes, of course, that's the case. But you have to remember that in business that there's always more to the story. There's a reason or something that they heard. So I'll say, oh, that's great. I usually then follow up with the reason that I ask is we do a lot of advertising here at the store, and we like to see what we feel like is the most effective. For you, how do you consume media and information? What you know? How would you see us or find us since you're one of our customers? And then I give them the opportunity to tell me, well, you know, I watch The Voice every night, or I'm, I do this, or I listen to, to this station, and that's the information you want to track. So the first item is, Greg, is make sure you track the information because we want to find out where our customers are And don't just say, how'd you hear about us? And take it for that. Explain why you want to know. And the customer will help you. They'll tell you, hey, this is, you know, the, the, I always keep my radio locked, you know, right here on 105.3. Or they say, I always listen to this, or I always read the, the paper, or however they're consuming information, we can get that. So at that point, one of the things and the reason I usually cancel all my contracts up front is because I like to relook at what are we getting for the money? And the, the trick to marketing and advertising and business is we have to say, are, are we getting a return on this? And you have to have your partner, whether it be you know the radio, TV, whatever medium source that you're using for marketing, they have to be invested with you and in saying, hey, we want this to be successful. And every person that sells marketing understands that if their marketing doesn't help your business, it's a waste of money. So you want to get them invested in, is this good for us? Is it good for our business? And does the return on investment make sense? At that point, we know what people are listening to. We've taken a look at everything that we've spending, you know, we're spending because we cut off advertising. We cut off all the forms of, of advertising that we were doing. 
we've met all the reps and we've sat down and talked and renegotiated any contracts that we feel like, because at this point you're going to be getting a vibe for, you know, what people are listening to. And, and I mean, some people even say, Hey, we noticed, you know, we haven't heard you guys on, on this station anymore. And that's okay. That's the information that you're looking for because it shows you, Hey, they're listening. Now, of course there's rating sources and ad agencies and a million different things that you can do to, to get really in depth with what you're doing. But the main focus here is, is we want to analyze what we're doing and market with a purpose. And marketing with a purpose just means that we're not just throwing ad dollars you know, at, at advertisements, hoping that something works out. We want to focus on, is our branding on point? Is the message clear that we want to come in? Because there's different types. There's direct response marketing, and then, of course, there's just branding. You know, and branding might be something as simple as on the evening news, it says, you know, the weather is sponsored by, you know, Victory Honda or, you know, in radio, uh, you know, we're, I'm always a big fan of the text line and Victory Honda is, uh, you know, we sponsor the text line here for, for this show. But in doing that, it's because that's a branding thing. No one hears that this is the Victory Honda text line and goes, wow, I got to run over there and buy a car. But at the same time, when they think about buying a car, Hopefully what comes to mind is, well, maybe we should check out Victory Honda. In business, you just want the opportunity to get a customer. Your service and product should win them over once they're there. So all we want to do is get them to the door. And I tell my salespeople all the time, I say, listen, guys, you just get them in. That's the famous line in the car business is get them in the door. Because we know once they're there, once they meet us, the staff, they see the product, they're going to buy something because we believe that we do a good job once they're there. So... Hopefully those are some tips that can help you, Greg, and that'll give you a little bit more insight. But as for like, there's no set dollar or I want to spend, you know, X amount, but I will tell you this, and, and this is for Greg and for every business owner out there, you, you can't save your way into a profit. You have to spend money on marketing and advertising and promoting your business because it's just an essential element to making sure that you're staying in front of customers because if your business isn't out and staying in front of your customers, there's always someone else that's trying to steal them away from you. So that's my advice on marketing and how much you should spend. Uh, that's a great question, Greg. I appreciate it coming in. If you want to get in on the conversation, the number to text is 731-215-0158. That's sponsored by Victory Honda. Or you can go online, facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show. So we're going to take another short break. We'll be back in just a few moments right here on 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager, and right now during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com. Then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. 
So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $499 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender. 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. You guys already know who that is. That's Money by Pink Floyd. I tell you, all these songs about money just really get me thinking about making more money. And that's what this show's all about. You're listening to Strictly Business. This is 105.3, the talk of Jackson, the show that takes dreamers and turns them into money-making machines. What do you think about that, Chase? Well, I like all the songs about money. Uh, I love the show. I, uh, I listen to it myself, and uh, I'm, I'm just really glad to be here. It's a good time. Well, you know, I think that uh, one of the things that I really wanted when when I started doing this was is to be able to connect with everyone, you know, and to me it's more important than that I didn't want it to be about just you have to be in business. I wanted to be able to connect with, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, the factory worker or or the, the, the garbage man or you're in construction or whatever job it is that you're doing or on the other end of the spectrum, maybe you're, you know, white collar business person, you're the vice president of some bank and, and you've just lost your spark, you know, and I just want to reignite that spark in people because I believe that the American dream is live and well. And that's really what I've always wanted this show to be about and to be able to help inspire others to just get out and do more 
And of course, they got to hear earlier in the show, Sid, the serial entrepreneur, and I, he went through about 40 businesses he's working on in, in a matter of seconds. So Uncle Sid's always bringing us the latest in businesses. But um, anyway. Yeah, I think, this is a, uh, I think this is a good platform for uh, the type of person you are, what you'd like to do in the community. Uh, I haven't been around somebody like that um, until I've worked for you. But working for you, I understand uh, the importance of being involved in your community, being involved in reaching out to people and helping people. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, this is a great platform to do that. Uh, during the break, we actually had a funny question. Uh, we get this, we might get this uh, more times than we'd like to hear it, but uh, you guys are both named Chase. Are you Chase Jr.? That is from Daniel. Well, <laughs> we we get that all the time. And it's kind of funny because we met when I was within uh, a auto group in Atlanta for several years. And at that time, um, I'd been promoted around. And when I got promoted, I came in, when I finally got my shot as general manager, I came in and met who I now refer to as little chase. And you're, you're young. How, how old are you? 25. He's 25. So you would have been what? 22, 23, 20. No, 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 no. I would have been 22. Yeah. 22. Cause we've been here three years now, but, um, when we were when when I met him, I took everyone in and I taken over this dealership, and I wanted to get to know everyone. So, one by one, I take them in, and I said, uh, "Hey," and he says, "I'm Chase." I go, "Wait a minute, I'm Chase," and so we went through about ten names. Yeah, ten. I'm like, "You got to go by something else," and he's like, "I don't care," but it never nothing ever ever really stuck. Everyone, it was natural to call us Big Chase and Little Chase, and. Now LC, you'll hear him referred to as a lot uh, by yeah LC has been the thing that that uh, stuck, but uh, Little Chase and Big Chase has worked out for the most part st- size and position in the in the dealerships we've worked in. I think it's very applicable. So I know we hadn't really planned on this, but since you're here um, and talking about how we met, I know that your story I think personally is pretty inspirational, and I remember you told me that day. Um, kind of where you came from and your background and what you've went through. And I think that, you know, in talking about reaching listeners, that there's a lot of people out there that have issues in life and it doesn't mean you have to give up on your dreams. So if you wouldn't mind, I hate to put you on the spot, but would you mind sharing, you know, your story? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my story starts off good and then turns bad and then goes good. So um, I'll start with a couple of disclaimers up front. Uh, I used to be a drug addict, um, and I have been sober for, what's the date? It's probably four years, a month, and two weeks. Not so, that anyone's counting. Somewhere around there, yeah. Uh, so February 13th of four years ago, whenever that was. Uh, so I, I did used to be a drug addict. I was a heroin addict. Um, I've been through drug rehabs. Um, so that's the bad part. Um, I I come from a wealthy family, uh, very successful um, and then I started doing bad things around college, and during college I started doing these bad things and got off on the wrong path, and became a drug addict. Um, and at this and at this point in your life, and you know I know this story, so I'll, I'm going to kind of hit on the hot points that I think are important. I mean, there was a time where your family kind of written you off. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, they did. That well, my mom never did, but uh, there was a point where. Uh, my dad helped me out the first time I was having issues, 
And then uh, the second time I was having issues, it's not like he had written me off, but um, he said, you know, I, I've tried to fix, I've tried to fix, uh, you know, what the issues are. Uh, this time I think it's up to you to fix them. Um, so, uh, you know, he hadn't written me off, but sort of. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, that's one of the harder things to do, and you were able to... Well, I think, I think that's what made me care about fixing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody reaches a bad point in their life, but, uh, you know, trying to quit something that's addicting like that and that, that, that you know, that's that got its hooks in you, um, you definitely have to want it. And I've always, I've adopted a mental policy about it is, is if, if you want to do it, it's the easiest thing. And if you don't want to do it, it's the hardest thing. So it's really up to you. At what point in your life, how many years were you using drugs? Uh, probably mm, hard drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, any drugs, I guess, but yeah, hard ones too. Or? Um, probably over the course of about four years, maybe, but hard drugs for like two. For two. And so coming out of the spiral, you, you went through a rehab. And the other drug I was referencing is weed, which everybody has their own policies on. Yeah, that's true. But the, um... But one of the things is you went through the, I guess, the second rehab was the one that finally worked? Yes and no. Uh, the second one was when I stopped. I don't know if it was the rehab that worked or if it was, I, I think more, it was just my mental uh, decision to not do that anymore. It's the most important thing to me is not ever doing that again. So, um, I, I, you know, I think that rehab gave me a platform to do that, but I really think it was just me. And during that time, when you when you got through rehab, you worked there for a while, right? Yeah, I worked at both of them. Um, I worked at the first one for fifteen months and was clean during that time. Um, so I, you know, I worked at that one for fifteen months, and I was actually uh, in a very important position there and did a really good job there. And the very first day I left, everything went terrible again. At what moment did you decide to give selling cars a try? I needed a job. Um, so the second rehab I was at, I, I had started working there uh, just to kind of be able to stay there because I was afraid to go back out in the world a little bit just because, you know, it's it's stressful. So um, another girl had gotten a job at Rick Case, the automotive group yeah. where we were at. Another girl had gotten a job selling cars. She was kind of hot, by the way. Uh, so she had gotten a job and I asked her, I said, you know, are they hiring? Could I get a job there? I figured, you know, I'm good at talking to people. Um, I somewhat have a type A personality when I want to. So, so the I, hottie was from rehab? Yeah, there's a lot of hotties in rehab. A lot of hotties in rehab. Okay, so she gets out. Just being honest. <laughs> and you call, and she, so she got the job at Rick Case and then? She got the job and uh, referred me over there. And so I went over there and uh, talked to, who was our HR guy? Uh, Brian? Yeah, Brian. Talked to Brian and then actually talked to Eric Wilms, um, who other than you was kind of my first mentor in the car business. Yeah. And um, I kind of BS'd him a little bit into uh, some of the jobs I used to have yeah. that maybe I didn't really have. Sure. But uh, the one thing that I, I talked about was is I used to do a call program, you know, five calls the first day, four calls the next day. And he was an internet phone manager type of guy. So me and him hit it off and he hired me on the spot. And uh, that's about it. I haven't looked back. Well, I can tell. Uh, I can tell you this: that in my life, and I grew up pretty sheltered and pretty conservative, and I've never used drugs in my life, which I'm lucky for because 
my personality so addictive that if I did, I probably wouldn't be here. So I've been lucky to, to dodge that. And I always had this perception that, you know, if someone used drugs, you can't trust them. You can't be around them. They're always going to go back down that road. And, you know, meeting you and having you in my life is completely changed how I feel about that. And I, I mean, I would literally give you every dollar I had and trust that every penny would be there when I got back. So I think it's your story is incredible because, you know, you've done a lot with yourself and uh, you've done it by yourself. And, you know, I've just been lucky to have you on the team over the years. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how we meet. I, I, I think uh, for me personally, that's the most important thing that's ever happened to me in a positive way. That might be confusing to hear a lot. A lot of people hear that. But like I said, I came from a family who gave me everything. Yeah. Um, well off, uh, well to do. Um, all go to church, you know, practice in the community, um, very involved in their community, really good people. And uh, growing up being given everything, I didn't know how to do anything. Yeah. Um, so going through that and digging myself out and, uh, you know, ever since that day that I got hired at Ray Case, I've asked for nothing from, uh, from anybody. And I don't think I would be ever gotten to that exact position or to this position now that I'm in working with you, had I not gone through that, it changed my life. Um, so, you know, well, you gave me uh, the other day we were talking, and uh, you know we spend a lot of time together through work, and we enjoy the same hobbies, so we golf together. But you shared with me something, and you know there there could always be a listener that's listening now that's went through something similar to what you went through with drug addiction. Maybe it's alcohol or something else, and it doesn't mean that you can't be successful in business, but it means that you have to get your priorities straight in life. And you, you told me uh, uh, that you have to think about it differently. And when you told me that I really liked it. So I was hoping that you could share that. And it was about the, um, you just have to focus on the timing for that to that just not do it a little longer. I mean, I, I do think that this is a very applicable thought into anything you want to accomplish. Um, I mean, I was, I was referencing in, in addiction and, uh, one of the tools that I helped, uh, that helped me, uh, get over addiction is all you have to do is all you can do for the amount of time you can do it for. So I'll break that down into a simple way to look at it. Um, if all I have to not do is not do drugs for the next 10 seconds, then I'll be fine. And if you have to do that every 10 seconds for the rest of your life, it's important that you do. Uh, you know, and as, as time goes by, you'll be able to elevate that time scale. But I mean, if you have to start it, I just can't do drugs for the next 10 seconds, then that's where you got to start. Um, and then eventually, I mean, I'm at a point now where literally every year that goes by, I think that I'm just not going to do drugs for the next year. So um, it only took me probably two years to get to that point where I thought, all right, I'm just going to go this whole year without doing drugs. Maybe then I'll do it. And I just reaffirm that decision every year on February 13th. So that's something that I do for myself. But, uh, you know, in relation to the show and in relation to business, um, I think that you can do that for anything. All I have to do is focus on this thing for the next two hours. All I need to do is pay extra special attention for the next month on, um, you know, hitting my sales quota, hitting my things. Um, I, I think anything that you place as the most important thing in your life at that time, you're going to be successful. So I think it's all just a matter of uh, diagnosing and addressing whatever problem or outcome you want to have happen. 
Well, in life, and um, those, that's fantastic advice. And I think that that goes back to last week we listened to a speech from uh, the Navy SEAL, Robert O'Neill. Then I talked about the time that I was able to spend with him in California. He's the guy who killed Osama bin Laden. And he talked about, just like you're talking about, but he, he called it little victories. And he said, you know, break your day down yep. and to just get to breakfast, and that's a victory. Then then I'm just going to make it to lunch, and that's a victory. And it's amazing. Um, I've always been big into – I remember that there was nights where I was – I mean, I, I had no success at this point. And I would be on my laptop, and I was renting a room, and I would sit there, and I'd be watching on YouTube. It had just came out, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever because there was these inspirational videos and all this stuff. But I would watch, uh, there's a guy, and he too is a Navy SEAL. His name's David Goggins. He's an ultra marathon runner. And David's story is very interesting, but um, he always talked about the human potential and how when you think you're done, you've really only tapped into 10% of what your body's capable of. Is that the guy that they told him he was overweight? Yes. So he. That is such a cool story. Yeah. So David. He's a U.S. Navy SEAL, uh, retired now, and he does uh, ultra marathons and things like that. But he, the, the story goes is he walked into a Navy recruiting office, and he was overweight. And they said to him, they said, he says, they said, well, you know, what, you here to want to join the Navy? He says, yeah, I want to be a Navy SEAL. And they kind of laughed at him and said, listen, you'll never be a Navy SEAL. You're way overweight. And at the time, I think he said he was 300, you know, pounds or whatever, and so he went back and in 60 days or 90 days later, I think it was 60 days or maybe less, he, it could have been 45. It was ridiculously extreme. Right. He had lost 90 pounds and was eligible for the, you know, the naval requirements to join the Navy. So he joins the Navy, you know, eventually gets into buds, passes, becomes a SEAL, goes through the whole thing. Well, when he got out and the reason he started doing the things that he does now he holds the Guinness record for most pull-ups in 24 hours and all these different extreme uh, sports deals. But he, through that process, he was part of, a, I guess, part of his SEAL team or the mission he was part of. Uh, some of the people that was with him had died. And I think all of them died, but him or maybe one other. And when he got back, he decided he wanted to raise money for their families. So he got online and he Googled, what is the hardest thing to do in the world? And when he did that, it popped up the Badwater Ultramarathon. Now, I know a lot about the Badwater Ultramarathon because I've read about it, and I used to be a runner, and I always thought it was interesting. But it's from the bottom of Death Valley to the top of Mount Whitney, which is 13,000-some-odd feet in elevation. And the temperature in Death Valley when they're running is upwards of 120 degrees coming off the asphalt. They have to change their shoes every mile because the insoles melt. So it's just the most extreme running conditions. They wear desert suits while they run and they have a crew with like a bug sprayer, like for like your grass spraying water on you, like to try to keep your temperature down. So the desert suit you're replacing and they run on the white line to, because it keeps your shoes from melting right. as quickly. So this is how, it's, and it's 130 miles or 113 miles running race we're talking about. So you have to run, uh, whatever it is, 100. it's 110 miles or more from that distance to there. And it's 
of course, it, it, this isn't open for anybody. You can't just go say, hey, I'd like to run the race. It's reserved for the most elite athletes in the world. The entry process, you have to show that it's something that you can accomplish. And so when he Googled it, he calls up the race director and he says, hey, I want to run the, uh, the Badwater Ultra Marathon. I'm doing this to raise money for, you know. And so the guy says, well, okay, how many marathons have you ran? Well, I've never ran one. Well, how many ultra marathons have you ran? Anything over 26.2 miles is considered an ultra marathon. So they'll have 50 milers, 100 milers, which are really extreme, and then some even longer. And so he says, well, I've not, I haven't done any of those. And he says, listen, man, I mean, you know, I can't let you run this race. It's the hardest thing to do in the world, and you've never even ran a marathon. He says, so go run a couple marathons or whatever and, and try an ultra, and if you still want to do it, give me a call. This is on Friday. Okay, Saturday, David wakes up and runs the Western States 100-mile race. Stress fractures his feet, completes the race. 100-mile running race. Stress fractures his feet, goes through this whole ordeal, and uh, the very following day goes out and runs like the San Diego Marathon, 26.2 miles. With the stress fractured feet, Monday morning comes around, calls the race director and says, hey, it's uh, David. Remember how you said to go uh, run a few of those races? Well, I ran the Badwater or, or the Western States 100, and I ran the, you know, the San Diego Marathon, so I'm, I'm ready to do the. And, of course, the guy's like, are you out of your mind? Which the answer is yes. Right. And so that's how he got in, his foot in the door. He ran the Badwater, and he's ran it several times since then. But just an incredible story uh, on perseverance and mental toughness. And if you ever get a chance, it's all of his stuff you can find online. You can check it out on YouTube at uh, youtube.com and just type in David Goggins. But uh, really, really interesting stuff. And like I said, he's he's just one of a kind from the perspective of, hey, this is all about pushing the human potential and doing more. So if you're looking for a little motivation, and that I remember gave me a lot of motivation when I was sitting there thinking, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know where to go from here. This isn't working out, and it always gave me a little fire to keep fighting. And it's just important to remember that when you think that you're down and out and that's the end of it, that you got a little fight left in you. So if you want to get in on the conversation, the number to text is 731-215-0158, or you can go to facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to get into some more questions that are out there, so shoot them in to us. You're listening to 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. And right now, during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. 
So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $499 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender. 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. And we're back. That's Money by the Beatles. That song, believe it or not, is from 1963 and still sounds great today. You're listening to Strictly Business. This is 105.3, the talk of Jackson, the show that turns dreamers and doers into money-making machines. So if you're just sitting out there today and you got the radio turned on, you're riding around in your car, just remember that you can always do more and be more. All you got to do is just make the decision and go for it. It's that easy. Hey, this is Little Chase. Uh, so on Facebook here, we had a question. Uh, it seemed applicable, uh, being that it was on Facebook. How do you use and separate your private and business-related social media? Uh, and that question came from Jawan. 
Great question, Juwan. So first of all, with I, I personally don't separate it. There's a lot of people that do, but I'm not one of them. So, and what I mean by that is I believe that your personal brand is your business brand. And some people get insecure from the standpoint of, well, I don't want that to be associated with it. And the facts are you're, you're your business. So in, in today's world, in the marketplace, every advantage you have with somebody who, who you can connect with or who you can see is a potential opportunity to do business. Maybe not directly, but indirectly, there's always that opportunity. And I can tell you that I've had people come do business with us and they say, it, well, I'm friends with so-and-so and I know they're friends with you on Facebook. So the reach is greater than just, you know, just you. So there are people out there that will make a, a business page because you can't separate your business from your personal. But I personally believe that it should be both. Now, in being both, I will tell you this. There's a lot of times that I type something into post and I have to hit delete, delete, delete. Because I, I take a second thought and I go, is this good for not just me, but is it good for the business? Is it good for the brand? And if a customer saw it, would it be a, something that could turn them away from doing business with me? And it's important to be who you are, but we have to live in a world of reality where we understand everything that we do can affect our business. I want to sell cars to Democrats and Republicans and, and Libertarians. I don't care what you are. I want to sell you a car. And I believe that we can all get along regardless of our political affiliation and, and we can still do business together. Um, so that's why I'm just careful about what I say and I'm careful about what I post. And I do post things that um, I feel are important and important to me or important to the team. But I think that it's important to also remember that, you know, if you post a picture of you drunk out at the bar with uh, or partying at the club with your friends, your customers are seeing that. And it doesn't mean that your customers don't drink, but it might mean that one of your customers who who has a problem with drinking now doesn't do business with you. So A, as a leader, you have to remember that your people are watching your social media, but B, your customers are too. It's open to everyone in the world. So it's something that I think that, and I remember going back, I've used social media since the beginning. I was on AIM Messenger before social media. Then I got a, uh, um, I think that uh, I actually got a phone call. This has probably been uh, maybe a few weeks ago, and it was from Yahoo, and they said, congratulations on the longest-running personals uh, page of anyone. You've been on the site now for 18 years, and you're still single. So uh, I thought that was – I'm just kidding. That was supposed to be a joke. But in general, um, I've, I remember using MySpace, and uh, you had the top five friends and or the top ten friends, and that was a big deal. I remember people at school would be mad, you know, if you changed their friend place up on there. And that was like – I would have been like a senior in high school. So the internet, you still use like desktop computers at home, but it was just – humorous how you would interact and, and message. And then of course, when I went to college was when Facebook started and it was for just college students. And it, they said, uh, in that they said, my homeroom teacher said, um, I need you to make a login for this Facebook. I'm like, well, what is Facebook? She says, it's how we're going to communicate with each other. So you know what's going on on campus. So I made a Facebook page. I didn't think anything about it. I looked at it. I thought it was terrible because I was used to MySpace. And 
so anyway, uh, a year later, a bunch of my friends were like, hey, man, you, you got to get on Facebook. I'm like, well, I'm on Facebook. I thought it was terrible. But it was terrible because no one else was on there. So I was just following myself. And uh, so I get back on Facebook, and at this time, everybody's starting to use it. That was my age anyway. And then, of course, I think later in years, it's morphed into where, you know, younger kids, millennials and, and below, they don't even hardly use Facebook anymore. It's Snapchat, Twitter. Uh, maybe they use um, Vine was popular for a while, Periscope. Uh, all these things are, are free platforms, though, that you can promote your business. Uh, Instagram was my favorite. I took a hiatus from Facebook for about four years, and it was at a time where I was trying to get promoted, and I realized that a lot of people were watching my social media, and at that time, I wasn't really an adult yet, still making stupid decisions, so it was holding me back. People were looking at it like, hey, this guy's not responsible enough to be, so I came off of Facebook because I wanted to clean up what my perception was online, and then I got into Instagram because it was nice. There was no just the photos. You didn't have to hear their opinions or read about, you know, what happened with someone's personal relationship. So I really liked the aspect of Instagram and I utilized it since the very beginning of, of it. And I still do today, but I do feel like Facebook has a better impact on business than Instagram, not necessarily from the sponsored ads posting side, but from the side of interaction from how you interact with customers it's important to post on all of them, post consistently, post relevant content, and post content that, that people want to interact with. But, you know, just addressing the question at hand, which is, you know, how do you separate it? I don't know that you do because it's out there for the world to see. And the facts are, if you have some secretive personal page, I mean, people are still going to find stuff. There's still someone that you're friends with that you made mad is going to leak it or share it to somebody else that you know that you didn't want to see it. So the best thing to do is remember that your social media is like a billboard. So everyone can see it and just make sure that what's on that billboard is what you want them to see. But that's a great question. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I don't think you can separate it. I, I don't think you can separate it. So you kind of got to adopt the rule your parents always told you, think before you speak. Yeah, and it's it's tough. I tell you the most embarrassing thing for me is every morning when you log into Facebook, it says, see your memories. And you, right. it shows you every post you ever posted. And I'm like, I can't believe I posted that. The ones from six years ago. Yeah, it, it's incredible. Right. You're, you're like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was at one point, obviously, very lovesick because I have, like, every love song ever with the lyrics post. And no one's even liking them. I'm just, like, putting <laughs> it out there, getting nothing back from anybody. But I guess I just didn't care at the time. And uh, whatever it is, attention hungry or I don't know what I was, but I was definitely lost. What's the uh, what's the catch for it? Back to business? Yeah, let's get back to business. <laughs> back to business. We had a, a text come in on the text line. Uh, I work in outside sales, uh, sales selling siting. Uh, how do I increase sales and profits? And that is signed Danny D. That's a great question, Danny D. Uh, it's real simple. You sell more and you sell it for a higher price. That's how you do it. So you probably want a little bit more information than that, which I can give you. Outdoor sales and door-to-door -door sales is one of the toughest industries that there are. It's because the rejection rate is very, very high. Um, close friend of mine still does door-to-door -door sales all the time, and that's part of his daily business. He's in the security business, does no advertising. And I asked him, I said, man, don't you get tired of getting told no? And he started talking about how he says no, he says, but I'm selective. He says, I profile the neighborhoods. 
I said, that's interesting. I never thought of that. In our business, we teach don't profile anybody because everyone's a potential customer, which is true. But with the rejection rate so high, he said, there's things I can do to increase my chances. He's like, if the landscaping's nice at the house, it's a sign that that's probably an owner, not a renter. Renter's not going to care as much about having my cameras, having my security as an owner would. He says, so the first thing I do is I look for the landscaping, the vehicle, is it clean? Is it well taken care of? Do they have shed in the back? Is the lawnmower, if they have a riding lawn tractor or fence, there's all these things that he could just really pick out. And he says, if someone's taking care of their home, those cameras are going to be more important to them. So he's given me these pointers. And I think those are good pointers to keep in mind when selling your products is rejection is part of sales. And if you can't deal with rejection, you can't be in sales. So you're always going to get told no. The trick is, is I just assume that I'm going to be told no, and it's my job to convert them because everybody wants it. You just got to get them to pay for it. And at the end of the day, if the product's good, everybody's going to want it. So my job is to do enough building value in what I'm selling that they're going to say yes. So if I go sell siding door to door, I mean, first thing I'm going to look at is do they have a need for siding because that's what I'm selling. The second thing is, is, is my siding good? What are the, the benefits what are the features? What makes my siding different? And then the third component is, why would they buy from me? They can go buy siding anywhere. So if I'm out walking door to door, does that mean it's cheaper? Does it mean it's more expensive? I don't know, but it's my job as a salesperson to say, hey, this is why you should do business with me. This is why it's good for you. And this is why we're out here. And it, if you make, when value exceeds price of sales made, that's just the bottom line. So in, if regardless of what you're selling, whether it's siding vacuum cleaners. Uh, I sold paint door to door for years. So, and I mean, I don't know how many of you had a paint salesman knock on your door, probably not many, but what I would look for is construction. Was there a paint van outside? Are they under construction? You could look up construction permits granted by the city. So you could stay on the curve of what's going on. And when I went on those job sites, maybe they weren't going to buy from me that time, but it doesn't mean that that painter or that contractor is not going to buy the paint the next time from somewhere else. But if they've already committed, they're not going to buy from me. So I would say, hey, listen, I know you already got this one taken care of, but you know, would you guys give me a shot on the next one? And that would usually open the door for that opportunity. So siding's a slow sale, meaning that it's a, a sales cycle that when people buy it, it's going to be on the house for a while before they replace it again. And my parents would be a perfect example of the type of consumer that cares enough to buy new siding because they've always believed in taking really good care of their house. They, I remember as a kid, you know, my mom would say, listen, this is ours. We pay for it. We have to keep it up. And, you know, there's a mentality, especially in the renting world, where a lot of people have never been homeowners. They don't have that pride in their house. But realizing that in siding, you got to catch them when they're hot. If they just put new siding on, you're not going to sell them more siding. So limit, the, limit your, your exposure to the nose by making informed decisions as to who you're talking to. And then just remember, you got to be resilient. And the number one way, because I guarantee you, Danny, that you're out there and there's no way that you're, you're reaching your full potential every day because it's easy to say, well, I've knocked on enough doors for today. And what you have to do is push yourself every day to do a little bit more. So get a number in place. And I always say, if you count the times that you're told no, like if I can count down, the opportunities that I'm told no, then I'll know how many it takes to get a yes. So if it takes me a thousand no's to get a yes, well, 
if I need to make a sale that day, I'd have to knock on a thousand doors. So whatever the number is, that's how I'm going to arrive at who I'm going to talk to. And if I need two sales that day, then I'm going to have to talk to 2000 people. So find out how many no's it takes to get a yes. And as far as how to make more money doing it, that's something that comes down to the business side of it. I don't know in the siding world, uh, one, one piece of advice I would get is build value. Don't offer discounts and don't, you know, don't sell scared. When you get with a client, you have to make sure that they understand the value and what you're selling. And oftentimes we perceive that the reason someone doesn't buy is price. And that's just not the case. Price is an important factor, but this is the example I always use. All you have to do is walk down the street and I guarantee you they're not wearing the cheapest clothes on the planet. You'll find someone wearing maybe a little polo logo or a Nike hat or, and why did they buy it? It's not because it's the cheapest. It's because it's what they wanted. They saw the value and spending the money for that designer brand. So image is important. And where else do you see your image? Right on the house. That siding is going to make it look great. So we want to paint pictures with words. I haven't sold siding to anybody in my life, but I'm pretty sure I could. Because when I get out there, I'm going to talk about visual references where you would say things like this, Danny. You'd say, when you pull home and you pull into that driveway, won't it be great when you can look up at your house and you see that brand new siding and you have the best looking house on the block? Now that paints a, a mental picture where they say, man, that, that, you know, that siding, it does look great. I do want to visualize that. So as you, and that's what you want, because then every time when they visualize it happening in their lives, that's when they can see the sale being made. We all have hesitations and reservations, even myself. Meaning that we, we know we're getting sold. We don't want to be sold. We're like, no, you know, we want to hold off. The only reason we hold off is we're uncertain that the value is there. We think that maybe it's a bad deal because in, in business and in life, so many people have been taken advantage of. So many people are taken advantage of. They have a TV show about it. It's called American Greed. And the show's nothing but about people who were ripped off. So from the days of snake oil salespeople to today, we're programmed that we could be getting taken advantage of. We could be getting screwed. So that's why it's tough for salespeople because value hasn't always been delivered. And there's people, you might knock on a door of someone who bought siding from a door-to-door siding salesperson once and they never came and put it on. Paid them in full, in cash, because they didn't know any better and they were taken advantage of. So you have to understand that that's what you're up against when you're in sales. It's not you that's the bad guy. It's because they're scared. So we have to make them more comfortable, and the more comfortable we make them, they're going to decide to buy from us. My boss was a door-to-door salesperson for Kirby Vacuum Cleaners for 10 years. And I asked him, I said, was it hard to sell the Kirby Vacuum Cleaner? He says, no, everybody wanted to buy it. I'm like, really? I couldn't imagine anybody wanting it. He says, yeah, they all wanted it. He says, you just had to had to get them to buy it and, and you know, to spend the money on it. I said, well, what was the trick? And he says, well, I would go in and do the demo. And he says, we would do it on the carpet, then we'd do it on the bed. He says, by the time I left, they were fighting to see who was going to get asleep on the clean side of the bed tonight. Because in the demo, they only clean half of it. So half of the bed spick and span clean from the Kirby cleaner and the other's not. But those demonstrations and the reason that if you go to any type of uh, convention or job fairs or anything that's out there, you'll always see that they're demonstrating the product. 
I remember seeing the the remote control helicopter in the mall for the first time. And I was walking through the mall. You see a helicopter flying. And I mean, I guess it's the kid in me, but I'm like, wow, look at that. That's incredible. And this guy's flying the thing all around. And I'm like, I got to have one of these. So I say, how much are they? He tells me. I work him down on the price a little bit. Got him to throw in something else. I do the deal. I get home. How long do you think that helicopter lasts? Probably, probably one flight. <laughs> yeah, half a flight. Mine's yeah. busted, bro. I was so determined. I had this place was like forty minutes from my house. I go straight back there to get another. And I'm like, listen, man, you're flying this thing all over the mall, and I get it out in my yard, and, and it's and I, I break it in seconds. But he'd become an expert at demonstrating his product. And when you would see it fly around the mall, guess what I'm visualizing? Me flying it around, having a good time with it. The helicopter's cool. So the visual references and sales are an important part of what we do. And it's important to remember that whether it's siding, cars, flowers, food, it doesn't matter. It's always the same. The customer has to see the value in the product. And if they do, they're not going to be asking for the discounts because when value exceeds price, that's when the sale's made. So don't don't shortcut yourself. Don't don't sell yourself short. And remember, don't just throw discounts at them to hope that they say yes, because that's usually not the problem. It's not really the money. It's because they're hesitant about something else. So when you can uncover the real objections, then you'll get to the bottom of why they're not buying. And I guarantee you it's not the money. It's something else underlying. And that's our job as salespeople is to fact find, qualify, and figure out what it is that's holding them back. In business and in sales, we use a term called the hot button. We talk about, well, you got to find their hot buttons, and everyone's is different because what motivates us to go out and make a purchase or buy something is always different. There's needs buyers and wants buyers. So <clears throat> if I have siding on my house, I don't need new siding unless my siding's old. I have to want new siding. So selling to a want buyer means I have to appeal to a different side than a need. Here's an example. If I'm a contractor and I go into the hardware store and I say, hey, I'm here to get siding. They say, sure, no problem. I'm building a home and I want to put, uh, you know, put my siding on it. Well, <clears throat> that's fantastic. They're there because they need it because they're building a home that has to have siding. It's not because they want it. So the consumer that already has it wants it. We have to convince them that it's good for them. They have to visualize it. And if you do that, Danny, you're going to make a lot more money selling siding or whatever your heart desires. So we're going to take one last break. And then uh, when we come back, we're going to get into some more questions. So if you want to join in on the action, go to facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show. You can post your questions up on there. Or the text line is 731 215 0158. This is Strictly Business. I'm Chase Channel, and you're listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager, and right now during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. 
And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender, 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. We're back. That's Take the Money and Run by the Steve Miller Band, 1976. I wasn't even born then. Neither was I. Well, you know, things happen. I know we're almost out of time, but uh, do we have time for one more question? Yeah, we do. Uh, we had uh, text come in on the text line uh, from Jimmy, and uh, his question is kind of a vague question, kind of a broad question. I think we need a nice short and sweet answer. It's, do you like what you do? Oh, Jimmy, that's an easy question. If you have to ask that question, Jimmy, it means you haven't listened to the last two hours of the show. So all you have to do to catch those is you can go, if you have an iPhone, it comes on it. You can click the podcast button on there. You can type in the Chase Channel Show, and you'll see the show. You can just press play. The show will start playing. Make sure you click subscribe so each week it'll add the, the shows to your library. Or if you're an Android user or any other type of smartphone, you can download the app Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, and the show's available each week on uh, Fridays. Uh, it's posted up on there. Same way you download the app, it's totally free, and then you can search for the Chase Channel Show. Also, if uh, you want to get in on the action during the week, you can always go check out our Facebook page, Chase Channel Show, uh, facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show, the text line. So you can text in questions is 731-215-0158. It looks like we're out of time. Uh, it's great to have you, Little Chase. Thanks for coming on and being the guest this week. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Love the show. Well, you all got to hear uh, some great stories. We heard from Vegas, and uh, overall, I think we had a great time. So until this time, next time, you're listening to Strictly Business on 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Taking care of business.
You've been listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. For more, please follow him on Facebook at Chase Channel Show. That's Facebook.com slash Chase Channel with two L's show. And catch him next time right here on 105.3, The Talk of Jacksons.